A very good morning to you and welcome to the Daily Oz podcast. Today is Friday the 25th of March. I'm TDA journalist Tom Crowley and with me as always is Zara Seidler. I'm going to be talking to Zara in a moment about the government's emissions reduction fund. A public servant who worked on the fund says it's a fraud. We'll tell you a bit more about what he said and a bit more about what the minister told us in response. But first, Zara, to today's headlines. Yesterday, Tom, there was big news in the refugee space. The Australian government announced that they had accepted an offer from the New Zealand government to resettle 150 refugees from Australia's offshore detention system per year for the next three years. Under this agreement, initial consideration will be given to refugees who are in Nauru or temporarily in Australia under what's called regional processing arrangements. Refugees won't initially be considered if they are, quote, engaged in other third country resettlement pathways. So that refers to agreements with the US, for example. Yesterday, Victoria's Uruk Justice Commission launched, becoming the first formal truth-telling process in Australia. The process will investigate the injustices faced by First Nations individuals. Uruk has the full powers of a royal commission, allowing it to obtain documents and witnesses. The Taliban in Afghanistan has announced schoolgirls above year six will not be allowed to return to school, despite saying last week that all school students would be able to return to classrooms. This policy reversal came hours after schools opened for the first time in almost seven months. And the good news, the federal government has announced that almost half of the Kakadu National Park in the Northern Territory will be returned to traditional owners. The announcement resolves four separate land claims which cover 10,000 square kilometres of the Kakadu National Park. Tom, yesterday everybody was talking about a whistleblower and it wasn't Julian Assange, it wasn't Edward Snowden, it was someone else and his name is Professor Andrew McIntosh. He had something to say about the federal government's emissions reduction fund and Tom, before we get into what he actually said, take the audience through what the Emissions Reduction Fund is for and what it's meant to be doing. Will do, Zara. Before I say that, I'll point out it was a big day for whistleblowers yesterday because I'm pretty sure Julian Assange got married, but I think that this was definitely the bigger of the two whistleblower stories, it's fair to say. So Professor Andrew McIntosh was talking about the Emissions Reduction Fund. What is it? It was a fund, or it is a fund, that pays people and businesses to pollute less. So the idea is anybody who's got a project to reduce emissions, they can bid for a contract to basically get government funding. So they get given a credit. It's called an Australian Carbon Credit Unit for any emissions they reduce with this project and and they can sell that and make money off it. So again, it's essentially this idea of pay people to pollute less. And there's about $4.5 billion, so a fair bit of money that the Australian government has given to the clean energy regulator to issue these credits. So it's a scheme that's been around for a few years and Professor Andrew McIntosh worked on the scheme. He was the chair of its integrity commission for several years. Well, he's published a series of academic papers and spoken to media over the last couple of days about how he says that the fund lacks integrity and is, and I quote, a fraud on the environment and a fraud on taxpayers. It's a pretty big claim, Zara. That certainly is quite elevated language. So what is the evidence that he suggests is behind this fraudulent claim? So it's based on a series of papers that he's co-authored with some other academics at ANU, the Australian National University, and it's based really on an analysis of, well, what are the projects that got funding and that got credits for reducing emissions? And he says that 
three quarters of the projects are what he describes as kind of not genuine reductions in emissions. And he said that most of them are things like planting trees or agreeing not to cut down trees. And also the other example that he he gave was making energy out of burning methane from landfills. And basically all three of these things, A, they're sort of pretty small game to begin with in terms of emissions, but also that some of the criteria, he says, lacked integrity and that some of the checking about whether these projects were genuine and whether they were actually a new commitment to reduce emissions was not really done. So, So, and again, I quote from him here, he said, people are getting credits for not clearing forests that were never going to be cleared. They are getting credits for growing trees that are already there. They're getting credits for growing forests in places that will never sustain permanent forests. So, so basically his point was that the integrity and the checking me- mechanisms that he was involved in were not doing a good enough job of ensuring that these projects were actually value for money. And that's part of why he says that this money has been wasted and that it is what he describes in fairly strong language as a fraud. They're pretty sensational claims. Tom, you put this to Angus Taylor's office. What did you hear back from them? Yes, so I did put this to Minister Angus Taylor's office, Energy Minister Angus Taylor, and uh, their response was very strong. A spokesperson for Minister Taylor said that the minister categorically rejects the claims. He said the fact is the fund is the world's largest and most successful national offset scheme. It's got a well-deserved reputation for best practice integrity. He said the claims were false. He said the clean energy regulator had also said the claims were false. And it's fair to say he took a bit of a swipe back at Professor Andrew McIntosh uh, by pointing out that, well, you know, Andrew McIntosh was involved in this program himself for five years. He was responsible for advising the government and giving the government the advice on whether the different programs met the required standards. And so the the question that was put to me is, is Professor McIntosh now suggesting that he provided flawed advice to successive Commonwealth ministers? So a bit of a war of words here uh, about this fund and certainly something that the minister's office didn't take very kindly to. Tom, you're pretty uniquely positioned here to talk about some of these things because you've worked in the public service before and perhaps not many audience members have done so. So can you just explain very high level what the relationship between the public service and our politicians are and what this all means, this story, for the government? Yeah, this is, I think, a really good question, Zara, and it's important to kind of clarify. So Andrew McIntosh, as you say, as a public servant, working on this emissions reduction fund. He is kind of, you know, in in the period where he was working there, he was working for the government, but as an independent expert. And so in theory, you know, the job of independent experts in the public service is to kind of give the kind of clearest and the frankest advice that they can about what the government should do. And then the government kind of, you know, makes the decisions that need to be made. And so I think that's kind of theoretical idea is where Angus Taylor's coming from when he says, well, you know, you were here, you're in the public service, why didn't you say anything? then. But of course, in in practice, and and I think my observation from my time in the public service is that the relationship is a little bit more complicated than that. Public servants do often find themselves quite constrained by the views and the preferences of the government of the day. And it's certainly true that public servants are kind of constrained by the environments that they find themselves in. The Prime Minister has spoken a lot of times over the last few years that, you know, he thinks the role for the public service is not to tell the government what to do. Scott Morrison's been very clear. He sees the role of the public service to do what the government tells it to do. And I think it's one of these sort of really live debates among public servants and and the relationship between independent experts and the government is kind of, well, who do you blame when something goes wrong? Is the government ultimately the one calling the shots? Because that's certainly the way that Scott Morrison 
tends to talk about his relationship with the public service? Or, you know, do you say, well, you're the independent expert, you were there, you were supposed to make sure that this program had integrity and you didn't. And so, you know, it's wrong for you to now turn around and criticise it. So not here to weigh in on that debate, but I will say it is very, very unusual. I can't think of any recent example, really, of a public servant, a former public servant speaking this frankly and bluntly about a government policy that they worked on in the public service. It's quite an extraordinary war of words and I think a a really, really interesting one to watch where it goes next. Definitely is, Tom, and thank you for being my co-anchor for the week. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun. (laughs) I haven't kidnapped Sam. He he is still alive. He'll be back soon. Sam will be back with us next week. But until then, follow the day's news on Instagram at The Daily Oz. It's where over 300,000 Aussies get their news every day, and we'd love to have you as part of that community. Have a great weekend.